Today's episode of Chunky Glasses, the podcast, is brought to you by the Indivisible Guide, a practical guide for resisting the Trump agenda. It's a team made up of former congressional staffers uh, revealing their best practices for making Congress listen. That sounds like something we're all interested in, right? Right. Uh, you can donate to this group on their page at www.indivisibleguide.com. You can follow them up on Twitter, which is at Indivisible Team. Uh, we follow them. So if you just look at our followers, you can get it like that. They have weekly calls. They have put out emails. They, they make uh, videos. They, they, they're keeping you informed so you can, uh, as the kids say, stay woke, and uh, we can maybe get some shit done. So that's Indivisible Guide. Uh, they are awesome. And now let's get on with the show. Okay. It comes here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Merely a two-word review, just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the next man. That right there is a Welcome back to the basement, fellow music lovers. You are now tuning into yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm yours, Kevin, as usual, and uh, we're kicking off your week with a great little podcast, a great little conversation. Yeah, we've been reviewing a lot of albums this year. I think 25 to 30 so far, maybe. Uh, but we're going a little light on the uh, interviews. We're going to correct that today uh, with a stellar chat with my good friend Jamal Gray. Uh, for my money... Uh, if you guys don't know who Jamal Gray is, he is the the brightest light in this burgeoning uh, re rebirth, re uh, rejiggering, re something of of the DC art scene. Uh, whatever whatever is coming next, I can assure you that Mr. Gray is going to be a part of it. And uh, so we've had a lot of conversations, him and me, off mic, and and just hanging out and. I wanted to get him on, Mike, uh, mainly because he's got a thing coming up that's I think it's going to be great called Control, Control Space Command up at the uh, Fringe Festival coming up. N- details in the show notes, and you can hear us talk a good bit about that. Uh, but also, he's got work with Nog Champa. He's got uh, work with with Computer Club. He's got work with Glow End Theory, an all female, woman powered uh, sort of hip hop uh, event series that is uh that's amazing i haven't got out to see it yet but i've heard so many good things about it and uh and at the heart of all this is jamal and his not just his artistic vision but his his tenacity in in trying to get shit done so uh we're gonna be talking to him today and then we're gonna be listening to a little track from a band that he he name checks at the at the back end of this podcast you can hear a lot of bands I'm not gonna, you're gonna have to listen to it. I'm not gonna put it in the show notes, but, but one of them is Denmate from right here in Washington, D.C., Jules Hale. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that you might see a little feature on her up on Bandcamp very soon. Uh, but we're gonna play a track from her 2016 album, Denmate. And, uh, and that's her podcast. So if you guys are into that, if that seems like your sort of thing, if you know Jamal, you wanna get to know Jamal, here's your chance. Nice little long conversation. Grab your beverage, uh, get your mood correct, and uh, let's head on down to the basement. Sit down, have a have a wonderful chat with my good friend Jamal Gray. Hey, 
So, uh, Jamal Gray, you've been down here before. Yes. Yes. This is not my we, first. No, we, we upgraded. In fact, you were down here for an interview for a, uh, a little known podcast mm-hmm. by our friend Marcus Dowling that I produced. Getting over. Yeah, getting over. Yeah. Doesn't exist in the world anymore. Anymore? No. Yeah, I searched for the it's, episode. I was it's, not so pleasantly surprised. I, there, I didn't there's, see it. There's, there's, a, uh, there's a tale to tell, but yeah, I'm <laughs> we're sure. not going to tell that here. I'm sure. Um, you That's are... for a pub somewhere in... in uh, no. <laughs> we'll tell the story yeah. in 10 years. Of getting over. Of getting over. Um, you are... Uh, you see if you disagree with me uh, or, or not. Uh, in, to my mind, you are one of the uh, most, the, the brightest driving forces of creativity and, and arts in this town that we have currently. And you have been for quite a while. Man, uh, I, uh, the brightest? <laughs> uh, maybe them, the most, them, maybe man. dedicated. One of the most dedicated, one of the most for dedicated. sure. How about that? Dedicated for we'll sure. Go with that. What, what, what part of the universe are you coming from? You're from right here in D.C., I'm right? I'm from D.C., uptown. Uh, Northwest, specifically 13th and Madison Street, uh, was where I spent most of my adolescence, I guess, uh, from about five or six to up until college. I was living there up until 17, 18. My mom was living there and my dad lived in Northeast. So up until I was 13, I spent time over in Kenilworth. So it was like split between uh, Northwest, 13th and Madison, which was a very, it was like a quiet part of a, a lively neighborhood because once you get on the other side of Georgia Avenue, it was like Kennedy Street yeah. and everything that was going on. My block was mostly like I lived next door to a reverend and across the street, my friend, his dad was a motivational speaker, Willie Jolly. And um, it was a lot of like older, it was the families, a lot of families, a lot of older folks retired or on their way to re- retirement on that part of the block. Um, yeah. And once you go like two blocks over, from 13th Street to like Georgia Avenue, I mean the other side of Georgia Avenue, 9th Street, and all of that. Then you got what they what they call KDY, which was um, a very wild place and still is um, still is remnant of that old 90s, early 2000s DC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot. Which a is lot which reminds. is, and we're going to talk about new DC, but yeah, we'll it's talk definitely about it's it. definitely not new DC. No, no, I mean <laughs> new DC is around there, but it's. Um, the nucleus of that is still yeah. like old DC. And yeah, and you, uh, you went. Did you go to school for uh, music? No, I didn't. I'm like the only one in the band that didn't go to music school. I guess. Well, DeHondo, who is like the um, the OG musician, you know, he's like the musician's mm-hmm. musician. He plays bass with us and um, keys as well. He didn't go to music school, but he does teach music and he does uh, work at Atomic Music. So he's teaching yeah. people either way, some way. But pretty much, yeah, everybody in the band went to music school. Um, the band you're talking about is Nog Champa. Nog Champa, yeah. yeah. <laughs> everybody that I play with in Nog Champa. Uh, Kwesi didn't go to music school, but he, he he was a guitar player, my brother. He plays guitar and keys as well. He didn't go to music school either. He was self-taught up to a point, and then he had some formal teaching, and, and now he teaches. Yeah. So either way, it's like music education is in is in everybody's background, but... For the most part, the band, um, Elijah Easton, who plays tenor sax, Alan Jones on drums, Miles Lewis, who plays percussion, and uh, my brother, Black King Soul, Leonard Lee on vocals, they all went to Duke Ellington School of the Arts oh, wow. in Washington, D.C. Yeah. So it's a long legacy of like artists from the area that came out of but, there. But you've got a legacy of like music in your family, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that was my music education. My dad... Um, 
he was a record guy, you know what I'm saying? I guess that was the old way you referred to you. Yeah, sort of like A&R. Yeah, A&R, um, distribution was strongest. Um, he he came in, like, so he was born in 1937. You know, my dad was, like, 49 when he had me. So, when we talk about new DC, old DC, that's the real old yeah, DC. absolutely. Um, you know, so it was probably still some dirt roads in the city back then, you know? Um, in the thirties, at least like depression era. So he had an older sister who got him into the jazz scene, um, when he was a teenager. So he'd be at like Bohemian caverns or all these places when he was really yeah. young. Cause she was like the beautiful, uh, fair skinned black woman, you know, part native American. So at that time, like that was, I mean, it's really a thing now in our community, like, all right, light skin versus dark skin. But back yeah, yeah, then yeah. it was yeah. like, so she was, she was that stereotypical in a sense, but very intelligent, very bright cultured. Um, but you know, fair skinned black woman. Um, so she hung out with all the jazz musicians yeah. and introduced my dad to them as a youngster. And over time, as he got older, he started to get into, um, you know, promoting concerts, throwing concerts, and distributing for did, other did he labels. Play he played sax for a little while, but he I don't think he was any good or just wasn't dedicated to it. Didn't, yeah, he never talked dick. about it, he <laughs> never talked about it. <laughs> Like his his friends telling me, yeah, he, he tried. pulled out of the closet. He's like, put that away. Yeah, son. I don't even think it was one in the closet. Oh, I would have wow. seen that. I seen guns in the closet. I didn't see no saxophone. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, that's another thing. But yeah, I mean, he was um, but he's just from that older generation of DC, and you know, I mean, at that time, jazz was just um the youth music. It's not like it was um. I mean, of course, there was sophistication to the mm-hmm. time, but you know, street. Street cats, they would be at the jazz shows. Um, oh, jazz. you know, your poets, your it was everybody. You know, it, it was, was everybody, and, and and specifically in DC, in it was DC, everybody. yeah, it back was when everybody. DC was Chocolate City, exactly. It was th- that's the music that of was DC. what was happening. Yeah, that's, that's where I mean, you saw like some bluegrass pop up from that. You well, saw, of course, of course. Yeah, but you also saw Go Go explicitly, exactly. like, pop up from growth from, from that the, jazz that yeah, and, the and, jazz and the church scene too. I mean, so you got both sides. I guess I just um primarily come from the jazz side but i would say like yeah. you know of course go-go but really go-go is an amalgamation of that but gospel music in dc and jazz music and of course funk and blues but like yeah. the things that are actually you know from here i mean evolved into go-go so well th- there's a ridiculous i i don't know if people r- really understand the the music history of dc yeah that it was all these like almost traditional uh Types of music, yeah, all for sure. jammed together for sure. But you had, I mean, like you said, they went Duke Ellington, exactly, exactly. Like, <laughs> I mean, and he, you know, as much as he contributed alone to like the canon of of American music, of, of worldly music in general, yeah. but like American music. I mean, and that's a, an artist that we can claim. I mean, of course, it's like his time in New York was where. He gained his prominence, which sure. maybe that might be the, the Duke Ellington curse. We're going to we'll, call we'll, it we'll that talk for about DC it. We'll artists. We're just going to give that a name right now. The, the, the Duke Ellington curse. You got to travel to be a DC artist mm-hmm. and get that level of recognition. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, you know, U Street was where it was happening at mostly, primarily the big stuff, um, you know, in that era. And he just lived through that. And then in the 60s was when he was really, the 60s and 70s was really when he was deeply emerged and, um, Specifically, like the spiritual jazz and the funkier jazz. Um, at the time, um, in the seventies, he was doing distribution, Mid Atlantic distribution for Blue Note, Flying Dutchman, uh, Strata East, Capitol Records, um, focusing on jazz. Mm-hmm. So through there, he started like this catalog, basically, where it's like, all right, 
I'm going to, I got all these records that I'm distributing and how do I get it out and how do I promote it? So he's just putting them, putting in a catalog and then he would have like these short stories he would write on people and he called that, that, that catalog was Black Fire. Yeah. Um, which the title came from a book that Amir Baraka wrote, which was like a collection of poetry and, and, and just, uh, creative writings from different notable figures in the black arts movement mm-hmm. from the sixties, uh, the black literary, literary movement, rather BLM black literary, literary movement, the original BLM. Um, that's where, uh, the name black fire came from. And, and yeah. And, and that stuff was informing, uh, you know, if eventually like experience unlimited, well, yeah, of course, which of was course. on there, but stuff like even like father's children, yeah, which are from now they're up North a little ways, right? The, right. They didn't get to New York, but they, uh, <laughs> But, yeah, yeah. But, I, mean, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, DC at that time, we got to understand, I guess, like the context of what was happening in DC at that time was like Gil Scott Heron and Brian Jackson had lived, they were living in Logan Circle because they wanted to be closer to the president and everything that was going right. on. Living in Logan Circle when that was one of the most affordable places in DC <laughs> to live. You know Not what I'm saying? And anymore. it was like mi- middle class and lower middle class yeah. black in that time, you know, working class black, yeah. um, and primarily in that area in Logan Circle. And it's like you weren't far from K Street and what was happening. So you had them. Um, it was even moments when you had uh, artists like Hugh Masekela, who was an African jazz artist. He came out here and he brought these uh, percussionists from Ghana and they helped inform lo- people locally on like African percussion. So then then you start when you get the context, you start to see how Gogo evolved into what it is. Yeah. And even yeah, the name sure. like Gogo really was just defining the places where the music was being played before it was defining the music itself. Right. Like that was, that was the name of where we went. We went to the go-go's to see music. So when you say Chuck Brown, yeah, he made go-go music because he's playing the music that was being played in the go-go. So Chuck Brown was playing all types of stuff. I mean, he was Latin influences. It was, I mean, funk blues. You go further south, it was like juke joints for the blues. Oh yeah, exactly. Every every, every musical tradition has these different things. Exactly. Although hilariously, I think Goldlink, who just put out an album, like was talking about go-go parking, about you back in so you don't get shot, so you can get out of there real fast. Right, right. Which is how sadly this has evolved. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, in in go-go culture, like, when I was in high school and in college, and I mean, middle school, I mean, when I was really young, like, in the go-go culture in the 90s, shifted and then like the early 2000s it shifted a little bit just reflecting what was happening in the city and and mm-hmm. uh, how the dynamics of the city was shifting um you know it was chemical warfare going on in dc yeah you know so the ramifications of like generations a generation of fathers and brothers being incarcerated and you know not really a lot of jobs but at the same time they you know mary and barry had um programs set up for for kids to get summer jobs and all these other things going, you know, re- regardless of that happening, there was still like a chemi- chemical warfare well, going on, you know, cra- drugs. It was crazy about it then. Like, I didn't live here then, but yeah. I, I definitely, uh, I knew people who did, and we, we obviously all read the news and stuff. We right. had somebody like Marion Barry, who eventually was busted for crack and prostitute. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It didn't matter, honestly, to the day he died. I was living here when oh, he died, yeah. and it was, but you had... And I think it illustrates uh, a lot of the tenacity and um, the reason the culture has survived, right. despite being crushed down the way it has been, especially in the last five years, I'd say. Right. You had, and this is just what people are, somebody who is, you had an epidemic of crack right. flooding the streets. You had 
elected officials mm-hmm. who are in on it, like yeah, corruption course, and all this stuff. Course. But at the Cor- same corruption time, on a lot of different at levels. the same time, able to set up programs that actually worked, right? That gave back to the community, that helped right. out kids. Uh, at, you know, maybe it didn't help them down the line. Maybe they ended up on crack. You know, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I think it. I mean, well. I guess not to divert too far from, mm-hmm. you know, the go-go conversation, but at least in the sense of like, let's say on the Marion Barry, I think his, the good that he did outweighed, you know, ultimately. And I mean, and that's, I, I think that's, I, I think time will show that. Time will show that. And and that's all perspective to where you view drug use and all this. And we could get into that, but yeah, you know, overall, I think what made him an effective politician and effective leader was he was tangible and he was human. You know what I'm saying? He humanized himself and, so often, you know, you in especially in a city like D.C., I mean, politicians are all around us and everybody's a lot of people that work with us are involved in the political process. And, um, you know, you get to develop a closer view of like what these politicians are like. And, uh-huh. yeah. you know, he wasn't just stereotypical politician, but he could communicate um, on a political level with those same people and also on a, on a human level, like with the people who he served. And I think that was most important and most endearing about a figure like him, you know? And, um, I mean, I think a lot of, <laughs> even our musicians and current leaders could learn some things from him, you yeah. know, honestly. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, yeah. he, 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 he bridged that, that gap mm-hmm. and, and he did it. Like if you, there, there's a documentary a couple of years ago, it was an amazing documentary and like humanize is the best way to put it. Yeah. He humanized himself. And honestly, like people like Eleanor Holmes Norton, like are sort of like that now. Yeah, for sure. You know, because what people, and this will lead into talking about, I think, control space command and stuff. Mm -hmm. But people, when they think of Washington, D.C., I don't think they really understand it. Like people live here that just aren't Mm. the government. People, I mean, there's, there's not a big like middle class economy. There's not, there's not all these things, but people are here. Right. And have been here for a long for, time, forever, and we don't have control of our government. And so, all the people, the things like get angry, like "Oh, burn DC down." It's like you guys send all these people here. Yeah, every every person I know who's either a DC native or claims DC is their home that has been here in a while are some of the most uh, uh, most positive, like role models. For people, they, because because of that having to do both, yeah, you and have I think to look, it, you have to look at and see like up what you're up against, right? Up to on really know Hill. what you, yeah. You know, we're like what, like ten miles away from it right now. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I went to um, elementary and middle school for the most part all around Capitol Hill. Yeah, I mean, I think you just, I mean, if you're open, if you're in DC and you're open and aware, um, to, and open to some experiences. Then you're going, you'll get a unique experience. You'll get a unique perspective, rather, that a lot of people can't get. I mean, like you say, we're so in so, such close proximity to the seat of power. Right. Um, political power, social power. Um, in relation, I guess I was talking to somebody, an activist from New York yesterday about this. Is like, well, like, how does activism differ in New York and in D.C.? And it's like, well, New York is like you're facing the um, specter of economic power and it's so huge and it's intimidating mm-hmm. in that sense. And it's designed that way. When you go to Manhattan, it's designed to feel intimidated. Yeah. So a lot of the buildings here are designed in that same way. You know, the older government buildings, especially in like the monuments and all these things are designed for you to feel their presence and for you to feel, uh, 
you know, minuscule next to them. Well, and everything has to be a certain height. You, like, you have to be able to see the yeah, Washington and, Monument and, and, and from the anywhere in D.C. And they want to make sure that the businesses represent, you know, respect that power <clears throat> and but, that but, size, But, but also, the, the, to the power point uh, of that is, is in Manhattan, it is economic power. You feel that when you walk. Last yeah. time I was up there, hadn't been up there for a while. The buildings are so much taller. And right. look, look, I've been around skyscrapers, but but, yeah. but you look up and it is like you feel your size. Yeah. Here it's just economic power is all good and fun. Mm-hmm. It's the literal seat of power. It's literal. It's you here. can walk to capital. You can walk to the capital mm-hmm. and be like, "This is where decisions that have shaped are the entire made. world right. are being made." And that's or better that, yet, you can walk past the Watergate and some of these hotels yes, downtown where, where the real decisions <laughs> well, are being yeah, made. Yeah, you can do that but, too. Yeah, no, but, but really, I mean, but yeah, that, that's I think has impacted uh, forever, honestly, our art scene. Yeah, for sure. And and so what we've seen, you know, everybody is familiar. Uh, uh, or at least all the indie kids and punk rock kids are familiar with, like, Ian McKay, Fugazi. Mm-hmm. That was a thing that happened. I don't think it was as big as people really think it was. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, in retrospect, people are probably going to make it bigger. Yeah, maybe, yeah, you know? yeah. It was important. Yeah, for sure. It was sure, important for, for sure, sure, but it wasn't it, it, it wasn't a thing that defined the town. In fact, I think Ian specifically was just like, no, there's all this other shit going on over here. Yeah. Like him and Henry Rollins. Yeah. Um, and, and so we had that, and then we... Literally had just jazz, sort of. Yeah, you had jazz s- passing through. I mean, I mean, jazz. Well, let me say, jazz was happening. I'm talking about. I mean, I'm talking about the nineties to the aughts. Well, yeah, the nineties. Yeah, nineties jazz. I mean, I mean, well, at that point, let's say, um, I think Gogo was pretty well established. I mean, I would say in the nineties of DC, at least, you know, the the elder statesmen of Gogo were still packing shows. I mean, they still are. Let me not say they still were like they aren't anymore. Yeah, yeah. But then, I mean, Chuck Brown was still playing. Still, EU was still playing. Still, Ray Essence, all these people. Mm-hmm. And then you had all the young bands. You had Backyard. I mean, with Junkyard was like right behind that. And Backyard, who's right behind them, Northeast Groovers, and all that. Well, it's like Junkyard, same time. Um, and then when I get to high school, two thousands, then we have the Uptown band. Since I'm around. Madison Street, um, Kennedy Street area. We UCB was the was the neighborhood band, um, and they kind of got big off of um, "Sexy Ladies" and a few other songs. Yeah. So, I mean, you had that going on, but then also the new U Street was coming, which I, I affectionately <laughs> <laughs> called the Love Jones era. Just as a reference back to that movie. Yeah. And people would get that. Um, but it was you know it was like Coffee House and all these other places and uh, Bar None and a bunch of places where it was like. The spoken word scene was beginning to thrive. Um, the underground kind of backpack hip hop thing was happening in right. places. Um, Neo Soul, what be, what became known as Neo Soul, you know, was happening here in D.C. and it, it was running parallel to like how the Soul Quarians, you know, D'Angelo and Badu and all them yeah. were going on. Like we have a lot of people that who was let's say a generation ahead of me. You know what I'm saying? My brother's age, generation ahead of me. Not a full generation, but. Music-wise, I guess, a generation or two ahead of me, um, they were doing this thing. Now, like I said, it was running parallel to what? Slum Village and all of them doing. On the hip-hop side, we had Kev Brown and Low Budget. Um, and then running parallel to what? Uh, by doing all those, all of those um, great artists we're doing, we had a bunch of other artists. I can't even name them all. It was a yeah, lot of no, artists. It was a it, lot. It was a lot. And, yeah. then, and then we've seen, though, in, in certainly in the past, like, 10 years mm-hmm. we've seen all of that even though like you said it is still happening coco's mm-hmm. been pushed out to the counties yeah uh and uh it's just a damn shame yeah. <laughs> but um what i think what we've seen is 
as this new, uh, more affluent influence. Yeah. And instead, instead of we had the seat of power, but we seem to people in this town, uh, developers would not seem to want to have the financial power too. Yeah, yeah. And and that's what we're seeing pushed in, and it pushes a lot of stuff out. So while we have a we have a vibrant say like indie rock scene. That you're you're also plugged into. So yeah, I think yeah. a that's lot, a big part of where we play at. I, I mean, think a lot of what what you're talking about that specific type of music is getting sort of starting to get lost in the shuffle, which is why is. what you're doing, like glow in theory, your work with that, right? But this control space command thing that, that's coming up is like so, like so I think super important. Yeah. So what is that? Uh, what is that coming up that you have? It's it's at the Fringe Festival. Yeah. Right? So um, we're doing. Uh, April through the month of April, basically every Thursday in April. So this is the sixth, the thirteenth, twentieth, and twenty seventh. Uh, Control Space Command is essentially a multimedia exhibition in four parts. Um, but you could also look at it as, I guess, a mini festival. So each four nights, it will be different bands and artists that we've chosen. Um, majority of them are local, locally based artists. Right? I don't like to say local artists anymore because yeah. I feel like that's confining, but Locally based artists, and they are uh, including uh, Nog Chompa, of course, will be playing uh, members of Computer Club, uh, Tony Kill, who just put out a really good record called Thoughts, Thought Crimes on Bandcamp, actually. Uh, Flash Frequency and with his new group, Who Taught You to Run. Um, and Flash Frequency is a really dope, like, visual artist and musician. He just did, like, the whole visual campaign for Will Eastman's last newest yeah. release. I guess it's his first Hello. release, but yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, it's a bunch of people. I don't want to name everybody else yet, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a bunch of really great progressive artists. Um, but I it's, mean, it's not stuff that you, you're going to see every day. It's no, not stuff it's you're going to see it's what, not. what I see. Prom- we just did a podcast where we talked about venues in town, specifically IMP, mm-hmm. and how they've gone from being, I mean, the 930 Club people, yeah, know, for yeah. those who don't know, They've gone from being uh, this scrappy, like, underground thing that did, to some point, support local artists, but yeah. uh, to being completely plugged into this new DC, this this quest for affluence. Yeah. You can't really blame them. I mean, look. Well, I get it. People yeah, got bills to pay. Yeah, but. yeah. But, you know, there is, and, and I'm not going to, like, relitigate that, because yeah. we go back and listen to, like, two episodes of Good People, <laughs> right. if you want that. Um, but as that happened... It, it did leave a vacuum, I think. Yeah, for because sure. Because what's left is someplace like the the big the big clubs right now were or then were uh, nine thirty club, Black Cat, Rockwell Hotel, mm-hmm. DC Nine, mm-hmm. uh, Red Palace was actually a really good club. Mm-hmm. I, I like that place. Uh, besides that, though, that was the only that was the only clubs that really got publicity. Yeah, outside that's like true. Bohemian Caverns, Twins, yeah, Blues true. Alley. That's so true. you had this very there was no cross pollination. Right. There was no. And then when or, Fillmore came, it was like nine thirty yeah. had to right. They had to they go had to harder. Game. It's yeah. like all right, there's com- competition they and had, it's live they had nation. To survive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I get it from that standpoint. Um, I think right now it's kind of the the mid level shows aren't happening as much. You know, aside from let's say um, you know Black Cat and Songbird. Um, but it doesn't, it's not really a lot of room for like what I, I mean, and I don't want to say mid-level, to, but like the, uh, 250 to 500 yeah. kind of spaces, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a lot of room for that. It's either like house show or something big, yeah. you know? So where, where are you, uh, with house shows now? 
I know, I know where I am, but where, where, where are you? Um, I mean, with playing them or attending them, this is, it'll be a different answer. Playing or attending? Uh, both. Um, playing as Nog Chopper no more. Um, solo, sure, for real, I'll do it. I, yeah. I like. I mean, if I'm playing my own stuff, it's different. But with the band, man, it's it's seven of us, um, and it's certain expectations. You know, and as a band leader, I've made some bad decisions on where we chose to play. <laughs> but let me not say where we chose to play, but just not being um, fully prepared for for any any instance. You know, yeah. so like I would say, any for any band that wants to get into house shows, man, you should have a little bit of sound well, equipment of your own yeah. and some ex- and some experience with this stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and some yeah. experience with this stuff. Yeah, just yeah, off, yeah. you know, just that's one sound. Uh, Thing I'll say, um, sound advice about sound well, I, equipment. But. I think I think it's good and and like we've talked about this off mic. We've talked about this together about mm-hmm. uh, what the expectations that there be a scene, yeah, in, in DC, and, 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 and I, that's and what I, I was going to get to with the mid level yeah, show. So yeah, and, and and I don't know anymore if we really. If this is like if this is going to be a realistic goal, if you if we we just reviewed Odyssey's album mm-hmm. on that uh, legendary <laughs> podcast, getting over, mm-hmm. that was the first interview with Odyssey. Yeah, I, I listened to that. And, I like and that interview. And one thing that he said was that basically you got to get the fuck out of DC. Yeah, He's like, I love DC, but you gotta go to New York. It's you can you can train like do all your training here, right? And there's a lot of support. Those house shows for me right now. The way I view them are it, that's that is good support for training. Yeah, it's training because ground, if for you, sure. If you can't get a gig somewhere else, whether whether you're not good enough or whether you, the the ecosystem, and I'm not talking about DC at this point, yeah. any, any town. Yeah. If you can't get a gig somewhere else for whatever reason, but you do want to play and you have the option available, you should always do that. And yeah. this serves this. But there is a point that you're going to come to in a band. That you have to get, man, you, you have stop. to get, the, you have to get the real gig. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing, man. I mean, uh, you know, being like, oh, I guess, well, Kevin knows, I don't yeah. know, listeners know, but you know, I've been on, I'm, I'm still on both sides of you are. curating and performing. Like, I, I don't mind throwing a house show, um, but just right now, I think for, for me as as a curator, I, I just want budgets so that I can guarantee people money. Um, because yeah. even now, you know, with the budgets that you know, people you get access the performers, to, the artists, yes, the artists, <laughs> not anything not, not else, the artists. So we can get the <laughs> artists, the musicians paid. You know, ideally, I would like to throw a bunch of like at least one big free show a month where the artists get paid and they get paid well. You know, I've been luckily able to experiment with that at the uh, Kennedy Center Millennium stage, yeah, twice. Um, so like, yeah, I mean, I guess on the okay, so on the sense of uh attending or, or, or house shows in general i'm actually uh i'm into what's happening with the house shows i think that's kind of where the scene is um at least as far as performing goes and they're given like the strong template uh i mean primarily it is indie rock and electronic it's white bands mostly yeah you know but, yeah. but it's starting to happen and, and cats like alex tebelef are like sure. consciously starting to switch that up and i am also like trying to influence and make sure you know we you know, everybody is represented. Um, but the, but the, I, it's a great template. I think if you have a house show and you can ma- yeah, yeah, yeah. manage the crowd. And- I, I think what it is and what, what I've seen um, in, and you know, we both know Alex. I, yeah. He lives literally around the corner yeah. uh, where you're actually recording for Nog Chapa. Yeah. Okay. Yep. They, um, they bring that back and, on the record there. And uh, it's, 
where I see the DIY is very attractive. Yeah. And, but the reality of DIY for me at least is that it is, you're, you're always doing it yourself. Like everything's exactly. DIY. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and I'm not talking about the sound. There's, there's a sound that people are like, oh, it's, it's it sounds like shit, or you put it out on cassette tapes because, right. because that's the only thing you have. And look, that's good. Well, DIY can be a scapegoat as a term. It can be a scapegoat too. And that's sort of what I'm talking. And that's sort of what I'm talking about. And I think people can get caught in that loop of DIY stuff. I, and I had a conversation today with somebody uh, that I know, somebody uh, who. He is caught in that, and you, you can respect it, but it's at the same time it doesn't make any sense because you can do, especially now. I think what we've learned in the times we're in now, like you, you need help. Yeah, for sure. If it's there, if, if yeah, it's there, if you can get that help, man. Take it. I mean, so it's, it's so it's so accessible, and I think like well, putting music out is so accessible, and it is. It's a very competitive um, field right now, but not in the sense of competitive on a talent level, but just the competition is for the for the eyes right yes. now more than the ears. It's absolutely. Let me catch your eyes. Let me catch your eyes. All right, all right. how long I got your eyes? All right. So it's like look, look at look at how people write about stuff. Yeah, for the most part, you people yeah. people write about stuff that has nothing to do with the music that's being played. Yeah, and that and if you did write a, if you did write about what the music is being played, you'd find out that a lot of it's fucking boring. <laughs> Like, yeah, a lot of it is not adding anything to the conversation, really. You know, and that, well, that's why you got to talk about everything outside of the music because the music is adding nothing to the conversation. Right, exactly, it's no conversation <laughs> right. with the music. Like, right? All right, you could pretty much sum it up in two sentences or something. Yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, oh, go ahead. To your, if you can finish your point. I'm oh just, no, 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 that, that was my point. Yeah. I mean, it, it is you know, it it's figuring out that. So what you do is curate. Uh, this control space command stuff, yes. along with doing your own, own music. I mean, that right. is, uh, that's what I think creative people do. If you're like creative and you just concentrate on yourself, right? You're white, first of all, <laughs> right? Well, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, that, and, and that's a real thing. Having the privilege to be able to yeah. create strictly off the love of it, you know? Yeah. And um, I mean, I think that's. You know, and and ultimately, like, uh, yeah, you know, now it's like I can say, like, oh, we're in the art world. We're playing around in the art sector, you yeah. know, but I bring a hip hop perspective into it because that's where I came from. Yeah. And you don't have to be making um to to represent for hip hop culture. I don't have to be making rap music for one. You know what I'm saying? But I bring a hip hop perspective because there was always this sense of hustle and always a sense of creative entrepreneurship. I feel like if we can, you know, right now, that's a big thing to say, creative e ecosystem, yeah. creative entrepreneurship. Um, but I think hip hop was what made the shift to where artists were really getting into entrepreneurship from there. Absolutely. I mean, of course, on a, on a larger scale, of course, it's been artists who've been throwing shows or whatever forever. Well, that's nothing you new. Had, you had a gap. I mean, and we, and we've actually talked about this in the podcast. And I think this is sort of the era that we're in right now. Yeah. You had a, so uh, look, rock and roll was that mm -hmm. rock and roll was picking up, looking around. What do you have? Right. The first distortion was the guy in the kinks. And he just looked at it. He's like, I need to sound nasty. Right. Took a razor blade to his Vox. Right. That, that, that hurts. Yeah. That, that hurts. Yeah. But that, that's how that's tough. Hip-hop doubled down on that. Right. Because while uh, rock and roll was mainly, uh, well, I mean, Elvis stole it, but 
You know, rest in peace, Chuck Berry. <laughs> right, right. You know, but I feel like well, on Elvis at least real quick. I feel like he knew where he got it from. Everybody else might not have said I it, but right. he knew where he got yeah. it. Yeah. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And I think people like like Mick Jagger. Yeah, he knows. Yeah, yeah. they he, know. He knows. And, and they'll give credit where it's due. Yeah, but and, yeah, go ahead. And then you saw when hip hop like exploded in the late seventies and like early eighties. You saw a different. It came from a different socioeconomic exactly, thing. Exactly. That, that sadly, like, still exists. Yeah. Like it. It hasn't, I mean, it hasn't gone. Those conditions have not changed. <laughs> right. Those conditions I have mean, changed. I mean, I think maybe that's why the hip hop music. I mean, it has evolved, but but it's evolving. But now, what we're seeing is people like Kendrick's album, right? Like, but more so than that, people are really in. Uh, seem to be in this lane where anything is possible, right? And it's yeah. only, and it, but it's it's only in that space, right? Because of the building blocks that were always there. It was just yeah. like, you take what you have. What do I have? I have a turntable. Right. And I have a friend down the street who has a PA system. Right, right. And I got to play a dance. Right. And, and I might have 10 records, but we're going to make them 10 records sound like yeah. 50 just tonight. You know what right. I'm saying? Right. But yeah, I mean, and, and that's how like that whole spirit, you know, I think hip hop has been a place where the uh, society of wide, like, I mean, the man basically has allowed us to stay empowered there because, you know, on a lot of different levels, I don't think it's too many industries where they would allow us to really uh, have this much perceived control and this much like creative control and like, you know, not shut it down and kill everybody. I mean, I guess, and, and kill every, not in this, I'm just trying to make this comparison and say the black, Panther Party or the like any sure, social movement sure. in that sense like that got shut down because it was empowering people at this point right now hip hop hip hop was empowering but if it would have stayed on the KRS one and Chuck D like right wave for long right. too long oh we'd be having a different discussion because all those cats uh, yeah. got shot and killed so yeah. you know once things became a little bit more digestible more palatable you know basically keeping us partying and 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 keeping you high then you know the man gonna yeah. keep letting it happen so <laughs> yeah and then and, and in the same sense you know outside of just that i mean they were really i don't know i mean just that sense of like perseverance and everything man the hip-hop uh i don't know it's a lot of different levels too but i'll just say on the entrepreneurial level like i get that from hip-hop and just watching how those cats operate and i mean they turn style and culture in this into commodity you know yeah. I mean, and the key is like being able to control that once you do that, because I mean, if if you out here to get seen, get visibility, I mean, they're going to commoditize you. Yeah, somebody's going to. So you might is as well it, be the that, one is that, that is do that a that. bad thing? Oh, no, nah, man. I mean, once you make a record, you're commoditizing it. Once mm-hmm. you choose to perform and be paid for it, you're commoditizing yourself, you know? So when people want to get too high up on there, oh, I'm doing this for the art. You know? like, <laughs> like, it's not Greenwich Village in 1956, nah. bro. Like... And I he, gotta eat, you and, know what and, I'm saying? And even they were like doing it for the money. Well, exactly, exactly. So I like, mean, there, there's, there's drugs never drugs weren't cheap. They, they, you know yeah, <laughs> drugs were not cheap. I don't know, heroin was pretty cheap there. Well, yeah, okay, York, you're but, right. Yeah, that, so, but copious amounts of drugs. Yeah, copious amounts of drugs. You gotta pay for them drugs. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, and and, and, nah. you, and you gotta eat on yeah. that shit. Um, I mean, is this is that sort of? It's clearly is that that what's driving Nag Champa? Because to describe oh. Nag Champa to people like. Uh, First of all, I thank you for this before, but like the show, you guys played a show on my birthday at Slash Run, mm-hmm. and it was like it was literally 
like my favorite bar and one of my favorite bands, and he just walked in. And, and that was the like, first show we did with the bass player too. Yeah, like who's the bass player? Yeah, <laughs> he's like this, this guy. He's like, let me meet this all guy. Right, I'm like, all right, all right, got you. And and it was so uh, it was so fluid. It wasn't jazz, but it mm-hmm. wasn't hip hop. It mm-hmm. was I, I I don't even know. It just seems uh, it's like a show I just saw with uh, the band Dungeon. Okay, from Sweden. Okay, I'm not hip, but you yeah. can get me it's hip. Like, yeah, I will get, get me you hip, hip after this. Yeah. It's it's psychedelic. Uh, Swedish music, mm. but they're, I mean, they're all jazz players. Like the, yeah. the jazz, well, they, the drummer is a drummer's a monster. Yeah, and it was literally just they just made up the set list and they played for like ninety minutes, mm. and you didn't know anything that was going on. And right. you're just like, and you sink into the music, and that's not an experience any any of us here at all really get to have, and it's not an experience you get to have outside of I think jazz or if you're at a go go, yeah, or yeah, if you're at and that's a more physical. Yeah, yeah, Type but I thing. mean, well, yeah, I mean, that's what, so when it comes to the commodity part of the music, then when you get too too caught up in the commodity and you lose the ability to get free like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's when you're too much worried about the packaging and like staying in whatever your parameters that you create for your fucking self or allow other people to create for you. You know, and when I say commoditized, I'm not saying like, uh, I'm walking around with a barcode on, but I'm just saying like, uh, you have to make a living. Like period, like pretty much every yeah. musician in the band in Nog Champa has over twenty years experience, and yeah. like the youngest person is is twenty four. Yeah, he's got twenty years experience yeah. playing still. Yeah, so like, all right, well, if I'm like the novice out of everybody, I've been, I guess, making beats since two since two thousand six or something. So mm-hmm. that's hip hop production, right in longer than that. Um, but. You know, as the novice, and I guess as the band leader, I you know, so to speak, the conceptualist behind it. It's like I got to make sure that I can get them paid to do what they do. So what yeah. would I do that? Okay, I have to make it tangible for people, and to make it tangible, you have to give them something that you know that's somewhat familiar but somewhat new. Like, that's like does, that, does that come in in the form of like melody? Does it come in in like? Does it depend on like what type of venue you play? Because I, I think it's mean, all of it. Yeah. Because you guys, I mean, you guys have played a lot of different spaces. Yeah, it's all of that. And, and you know, if you go into some place and people just want to dance, right? You're making beats, and right. honestly, the what the rest of the band, it, it's sort of auxiliary, right? But if you go into a space where it's like a bunch of jazz heads, that 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 marginalizes you, right? Exactly. If you, if you go and, into, and that'll it, be the times when I sit back mm-hmm. and I might be on the mic or I it, might it, just be trying to add to the energy, yeah. you know. But yeah, I mean, that's... You understand how odd that is to not to be a, not only be able to do that, but understand that that's what you have to do in a, in a band like this in DC. Yeah, in DC, but I mean, honestly, I mean, I think this is where the modern band is. I think that I'm just, and I, we're not even the first people to do the exact the format we're doing. I mean, the exact way, of course. Yeah, that's us, and then you know. But I mean, there's been other people that try DJs with bands or things like that. Oh, or, sure. I mean, tons of people that still use like NPC with the band and add percussion or some element. Well, I haven't seen as much be like, like, like yeah, so, exactly. So Vanessa. Exactly. So I mean, it, right now where music is going, I mean, I, I'm talking to like musicians that are touring and stuff. They're like, man, well, it's good to, if you can, especially let's go to Europe. I mean, if you can have somebody in your crew that DJs too, man. You know, most of the gigs are going to be you know, during on the weekends for the bands and during the week is the DJ. So you go somewhere, man, you DJ all week, play the weekend. And, you know, so yeah. that just has me thinking like in, in general, your approach to music has to be different and you got to serve a lot of different purposes. And I mean, with us, you know, um, the range of musicianship guess, I guess gives us that fluidity to it. 
Um, and of course, having like computer club around, like cats that actually de- that you know yeah. DJs, DJs, yeah. friends around. Which is tell, so tell people what that is real quick. Okay, it's, so it's, computer club is basically is like a multimedia art collective. Um, primarily, we focus on, um, I mean, the event production side when it comes to like the actual lighting and everything. So when you come to Control Space Command, you're going to see different video installations, uh, projection mapping going on, video synthesis, video glitching, all of this wild stuff. Um, that's computer club is within that um but also djs and producers and musicians uh so knock chompa is adjacent to computer club it's not technically the same thing but most of the shows that we've well not most a good amount of shows we played have been with computer club um because i'm a part of both yeah, so yeah, yeah. so yeah with computer club um you know we always majority of the first shows we were playing because we were setting them up but it'd be like us and then our friends djing yeah so either way, it's like, all right, we got to make people dance a little bit. It can't really be a lulls in time. It can't, you know, when it comes to shows, you don't really want any downtime, man. You want people, like, engaged nowadays, yeah. especially if you're at a house show or something like that, man. You want people engaged. So a lot of our shows were like that. So we DJ, the band set up, you know, we'll do our thing. And, yeah, so that that, that recontextualizing the whole kind of band concept mm-hmm. is is what we've been playing with. Um, I think it wouldn't work if if the musicians weren't great though. If they weren't good, uh, yeah. it wouldn't work. Yeah, it would be the complete opposite. Well, then they just yeah, be there like, there are lots of examples of it not working. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm <laughs> there, sure. There so many. Ba- I mean, it's called it's called jam bands. Yeah, it's like that yeah, entire exactly. that entire exactly. industry uh, for the most part is people who who have have a a, a beautiful idea. Yeah, of like music's got to be free. free. Yeah, man. But uh, they don't understand that like, and, and they love jazz too. Mm-hmm. They don't understand those motherfuckers. As uh, Eduardo put it uh, pretty succinctly the other day, he said. Jazz and bluegrass back in the day were like boxing with instruments. Right. Oh yeah. Like you, you come with your fucking chops, or you get you get knocked the fuck out. Oh, musicians. I mean, even still in the jazz community, man, you yeah. come on a set and you ain't riffing, you ain't chopping, like your chops ain't up, man. Oh, you need to go back to the shed. They're gonna tell you quick. <laughs> yep. They're gonna laugh you out, or they yep. look. You gotta go back to the shed. So, and that's what you do. You go spend your time. You get it in, and and you come back when you think yeah, you're ready. Yeah. And if you ain't ready, they're gonna tell you again. But Musicians, especially, I'm gonna say in hip hop, cats don't be ready for that level of scrutiny. Wait, what you you hating? You hating? Nah, bro. Like, just work on your stuff. It's all. It's, I'm actually telling you something very well, loving, and, and, that, and that's <laughs> very a, loving. and that's the thing that like musicians can take. And I, and I know like uh, artists in general, uh, creatives, like yeah. all of us are. Yeah. We can be sensitive for sure. I'm we can sensitive, be, you know, yeah. and and but especially if it's somebody who's better than you. Well, it's yeah. saying, and you know, you just got to look at. You always got to look at what you're doing <laughs> That's and real. be like, "Can it be better?" Yeah. Oh, for and, sure. And if it can't, go on to the next thing. Right. You you made it, man. Right. Uh, unless you're getting a check. Right. In this I case, mean, well, yeah. And then it's doing, just like I'm doing, doing that thing and getting, getting the check. I mean, even for me, man, it's like at first, like with Nog Chomper early on, I, we would just hit, hit play a show, and I'm just so excited to be like on stage playing music with my friends. I'm mm-hmm. just hyped, like, yo, this is, you know, yeah, excited, very excited. And my bandmates are like, yeah, that was cool, that was cool. I'm like, dude, you just killed him. Like, yeah, that was cool. And I just, I had to, like, it took me time to see, like, well, these guys play with a bunch of great musicians. They have these moments, a lot of these moments. Yes. You know, it's it's maybe more special now because it's something we're creating together. But you can find those same moments if you're playing um, Sunflower or, or any, like, jazz standard with the right people. You know, yeah. and I didn't understand that. I'm just thinking it's us, it's us. But no, it's well, all musicians are. Kind of, oh, I, at least I would think that they're reaching for is like these 
these moments when you're performing, you know? No, you, it's, it's, it's when you're performing, or even if you're just playing by yourself in the basement. Yeah, but either when way. when you lock into that, that one, uh, it is better with other people, yeah. but when you lock into that, that one sound, right? and it just resonates so perfectly, and that second lasts, in your mind, like days. Yeah, it you, feels like just, forever. You're just like, oh shit. Yeah, that's, that's when time stops, like and, those moments. And that's and that's why people do it. Right. You know, that is, you can get into the whole psychology of why music works. Like, having a piano again now, it, it, the the keys and the chords are laid out in front of me, right. which is how I, I learn to think. I don't think about a guitar that way. Mm. And so I, I, if you play, like play a G sharp in the third position, I'd be like, what the fuck are you even talking about? <laughs> right, right. I'll hit the note. Like if I it, put me in a rehearsal and I'll be like, got it. Right. But if I had to look at it, but if I can look at it on a piano, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, man, that's yeah, it. That helps a it's, lot. it's the patterns of it that, that our brains crave. Mm-hmm. And then there's that extra little bit of magic that mm-hmm. just, whether it's, yeah, it's context. Usually I yeah. think that magic was, well, I would say context. Cause it's, you know, music is, is, um, it's a time capsule that can capture these moments, you know? So, yeah. um, but even just to the extent of what I was going to say about the band was like, you know, reaching for those moments, trying to create, you're like mm-hmm. actively trying to create those moments. And like really for the first time early on of us playing, the first time me ever really getting to experience those moments of like what all these musicians are playing for. And I'm like, damn, this is exciting. This is fulfilling, you know? And you can get ahead of, so ahead of yourself and that will feed your ego or whatever. So sure. I had to be knocked down by like, my music, the musicians, my brothers, and they're like, yo, we do this all the time. Like, like it's nothing. So then when they have a bad show, it's not as mo- monumental on them as it would have been on me because it's like, damn, well, they're like, no, nah, we got quote unquote bad shows or bad hits all the time. But it's just like, all right, how do we go from here? Yeah. You know, but carrying like carrying a bad show in the same way you carry a good show, like leaving both with the same attention to like i'm going to be better next time regardless yep Yep. and then that's kind of what i've learned like working with them and i i know some i mean when i say hip-hop i don't mean overarchingly i just say with some of the people that i've experienced working like mc specifically you know um it's a different discipline it's a different craft and you can't even rate it with at the same barometer that you can like Mm -mm. playing the trumpet or something yep because hip-hop and rap in general is so 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 personal and so um subjective that it's kind of like well i can't you know i you can't really put somebody up like you can rate stats once you're on a professional level and you're selling records and that type of thing but even in even in that like there's always that debate in hip-hop of who's the greatest and the only reason you can't solidify that is because there's no specific stats that can quali- quantify it. You know what I'm you saying? Can, it, it's interesting you said the personal experience. Cause you put out a project last year under uh, the name Aquatic Gardener, mm-hmm. which, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong in, in how to describe this, it, it is essentially like beats played along to a bunch of field recordings. Exactly, yeah. And that, like, even if, I mean, you told me that's what it was. Yeah. And, and like, and you, it's up there, it's out there for people right, to find. Right. But even not knowing it, there's a part we, I mean, we, we use part of this in the podcast right. so, uh, and we always cut it out because there's the beats drop out and there's this thing where it's a kid at a bus stop, yeah. right? An older woman, actually. It's like an older, well, not older. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, probably yeah like you know the part I'm talking about. They're probably like about. in their yeah, 20s, yeah. though, but yeah. So, so that is so um, specific to, I think, everybody's experience. Mm-hmm. And you hear that and it, it all of a sudden makes what... Because, look, people make beat tapes. People make all yeah. kinds of shit. It all of a sudden makes it, like, 
personal and interesting and I mean, these are what, like 18 minute tracks? Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, who, who's going to sit down and listen to 18 minute <laughs> tracks? But it's important that shit like that exists because if you do, you get rewarded and you have right. an experience listening to this stuff that reminds you of just, I don't know, it's a meditation. I I, I love Thank the fucking, you, I told Thank you this. You. No, like, I remember we talked about it, man. Um, I fucking love it. It's, it's, and that is an evolution in my mind of what hip hop can do. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, and it's been taken further to that. You know, I mean, even like... Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, that is like... And that technique of like, you know, using the tape culture and, and that, you know, zapping those cats were doing. I mean, you know, further back than that, like, they were already experimenting with that. And I feel like yeah. to a certain degree, and, man, and, that like some of that experimental stuff had been taken out. I mean, then we you begin to talk about that commoditizing the music. You, meant, you mentioned Zappa. And like, that's yeah. what I'm saying. It's like all of a sudden hip hop starting to look at rock and roll. Yeah. And like, yeah, what yeah. lessons can we learn from that? Yeah. Because we could probably do it better. Right. Exactly. But but then it's like, because we've always been looking at rock and roll. But now let's get beyond just like the riffs of rock and roll or like yeah. the drums of rock and roll. Let's look at like the sound design and recording techniques. I watched VH1 classic album. I mean, I'm honestly, to that, to that mind, no. did did the uh, collaboration on Run This Way like ruin hip hop for decades? I don't think it did, though. I mean, I think it's other things, and we ain't gonna take that one. I think that actually expanded hip hop. Um, I think initially it did. Initially it did. I mean, it hurt, but <laughs> but if like there's moments idiot. in all of like. You know what I'm saying? Rock and roll and culture, popular music in general where you be like, oh, Splish Splash, I was taken yeah. aback. Or something like that. Where it's yeah. like, you know, these moments, like, it means different stuff to different people. So, of course, for your purists or whatever, and, well, it's, it's going to be somebody that just is not touched or not affected by this, who you do not impact with whatever you're doing. Yeah, yeah. But then there's going to be for somebody sure. who's like, oh, Splish Splash, does cry when they hear that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My mom used to so, play that song, you so, know? So, uh, with, with all that in mind, what we've, we've just been talking about, I... I know at least three people who really want to answer this question. Okay. Uh, you probably know. You know all of them. But okay. Is, is there, um, commodified or not, is there a final form to what Nag Champa, like you're making a record. Yeah, we are working on a record. Is it is it necessary that you make a record? And if so, mm-hmm. is there, even if it's a temporary, it's a it's a, a history right. uh, marker of the band, but is there some form that maybe you're reaching for with Don Champa, or is it just the universal experience? Um, I mean, the record is definitely necessary. Um, I think nowadays, as a as a commodity uh, to get you in front of people, or necessary creatively, not as much a commodity, maybe as a resume. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're we're an experience based band, but we we, and and that's been the hardest thing, I guess, over the past, I guess three years we've been playing together now um playing out together like three years now um it's like the word of mouth is getting is really good but then people we want to hear the music hear the music and you know we were very hush hush about the music before not really sometimes not finding the time to record Mm -hmm. it or whatever because you know nobody is a full-time musician fully um most of us are pretty close but nobody's a full-time musician fully so it was hard um and then it's like finances of paying for studio time with like the level of musicians. We really want a good studio and all yeah. that. So if we go into that, if we're going down that road, all right, we need to be fully ready. Like, let's go right. to war. And that's what I mean. You let's have to, to know, like, as opposed to like, you don't know where the night's going to take you. Yeah. You have to have. And what what, I, what I'm talking about really is is becoming like the work you and they are doing, like 
putting your bid in to become the new jazz standards right or exactly. whatever or whatever you're doing well, like, i mean and I, that's I why the record is needed it's jazzy but I, I mean i wouldn't ever classify it as jazz right and, and that's why the record is needed um i mean i think it's needed for what's ha- what the time that's happening in the world i mean on a music level but also a political level i think uh dc um is needing our indigenous music is in need of like an evolutionary point um yeah, I, I think I will co-sign the fuck out I of think that. Black music in in general is it, it, black music is evolving, but I think we just need um, a, a couple more wake up calls. That's all. Like we're close to I think music in general, and I would say American popular music, you know, is driven at least evolutionary wise right, right now is driven by what's happening in hip hop. So hip hop needs a couple more evolutionary points. You know, the last real evolutionary point I feel like we had. I mean, I would say it's still yet to be seen the sonic impact, really, of To Pimp a Butterfly. We've right. seen the cultural impact, for sure. But sonic impact, there hasn't really been an imitator yet. But there were imitators for, like, no, Illmatic no, and all of those. I mean, the Kamasa Washington crew, the West, West Coast West, Get Down yeah, crew. Get down. Like, or, I mean, but they were, they were doing their own thing. That's yeah, jazz. I mean, but, but like, just, he, just he's yesterday, a culmination just of yesterday what we've, got they a new, we've got a, a new Kendrick, Kendrick song, record, so I'm sure which doesn't sound anything, anything like, like The Pimp like Butterfly. Exactly. So it's like... Um, but I would say the last maybe evolutionary part, and I and I'll I won't say Drake, but I'll say Kanye West, eight oh eight and heartbreaks, which basically birthed Drake and what we know him as yeah. now. We, that's a whole nother joint. But, but just I, I just I, think I, I love that album, and I can't stand you Drake. Can't stand it. Hip hop needs another evolutionary point, and I think DC specifically can be a big influential part of that. And just our our um, lingo slang. Uh, style, I think timing and everything right. Do, does it be... does it get done though by people who are currently you know you've got like Shy, Shy Lizzie, Wale, Goldlink just put out the the record. I mean, you it'll know? be pushed by them. It'll be pushed, but, but um, like it'll be like record, they won't be the anchors to it. Though. Right, but Gold, Goldlink's Gold record actually, is is yeah, but it's okay. a it's a history of DC. You're right. You're right. It's not pushing it forward. Right. Right. Uh, you know. It's well, like, I mean, I think you got. I mean, at least. I mean, Goldlink. He's a, a unique. Ah, he's a very uh, unique case because his introduction wasn't a regional introduction. Mm-mm. So he chose to go back and get so, which is great because he already showed you like, all right, I'm can make an international sound. Yeah. So now it's like this is his de- his departure record in a sense is going back to a regional sound. Most people go like from a regional sound to like sounding like everybody. Yes. He went the opposite way. So. You know, Scott. I say sky's the limit for where he could go musically. Uh, yeah. I hope he's just open to it. I know a few people, a few of my friends worked on production yeah. on that record. So April George, April George is on there. Love April George. Um, a couple of my friends of uh, Rest, who's a who's a dope producer and, and um, MC from out of Maryland. Also, Michael White, uh, who's a part of this crew, OSP from Maryland. Um, these are all like my my younger homies in it, but um, I'm not say little homies, but like my younger homies in it, um, contributing. Of course, uh, good friend Cicero is on, it. like you said, April George from April mm-hmm. Vista. Uh, I think my man Tony Kill might have had some production on there. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's like I think it's gonna happen from the and 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 whether or not Wale and Shy Glizzy will have the uh or or, or any of the other artists. You know, once you get into a very commercial space, I think it's harder for you to experiment. So I can't really expect them to like, yeah. but they will, they will have pieces of the sound just like, I mean, 
you know, just like the elder statesmen in hip hop, when something's happening in hip hop, well, they're going to try to get their hands on it just yeah. for relevance sake. Yeah. And it's, you know, take it how you want. It's not to play these people, but just to like, no, yo, no, they're going to have their hands in it. But the ones that are going to be pushing it are going to be the producers, musicians and the vocalists, I believe. Um, I mean, DC has always had a strong tradition of that. And in our indigenous music, which is go, go. The rapper is secondary. The rapper is always there, but he's secondary. The energy and the emphasis is on the band and the vocals. You know, so if we bring that approach and then have the lyrical, the attention to the lyrics that like a Gold Link or a Wale will have, um, or a lot of other MCs from the area, you know, because it's not only them, but on a bigger on a bigger scale. If you or you take, let's say a, a local uh, locally based MC that may not have the widest uh, embracing yet. Uh, at least outside of the area is like a Sir EU who I've worked with for years. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's definitely gotten attention outside of the area, but just and performed outside of the area. But say, say a, a artist at his level who, whose critical acclaim isn't, I mean, his, whose, whose uh, popularity isn't so, so much that he'll be stuck in one thing. It's like he, artists like that will have the ability to shape it. And so, I mean, I, it's just as much as I want like the MCs and vocalists and musicians around to like, yeah, perfect the sound. You play with other people's sound to perfect it, but don't be afraid to like sit in your own sound and perfect that and be strong in that because it's going to pay off further in the long run. And ultimately like anybody that really makes an impact is like, yeah, you can do what other people do, but you have to have your signature, your perspective. Yeah. In DC, again, you have a very different perspective growing up here. Even if you were just a transient from a military family or whatever and just stay here for a minute, you picked up something about DC. Yeah. Um Kanye sure. West, his dad lived in Tacoma Park, so like, you know, he picked up style from out here. It's mm -hmm. a lot of different reasons why I think DC is going to be a part of that next evolutionary step, and I want to be a part of that evolutionary step. In DC, yeah, well, I think you are. Yeah, as we wind this down, who who else do you think um, hmm. is going to be a part of that? Um, right now, uh, I, I really like Suge Savage. She's a dope vocalist, uh, writer, and MC from LA and Maryland, respectively. Uh, she's a part of this group of Coco, which is really good. Um, she's putting out some new music. Mishi Correct is a really great vocalist who I've been producing for a while. She's traveling between D.C. and Ghana a lot, so she's been able to perform at some really, like, huge festivals in Ghana, and she'll be going back there soon. Of course, April and Vista, I really yeah. love. Tony Kidd. I, I need to get them down here. Yeah, I, I, April and I mean, <laughs> well, let's make the call, man. They're ready. I mean, if I was to, like, I mean, even when I throw my shows, I think about, like, who would I put on a song together? Who would I, like, mm -hmm. if I had a label, who would I pick up? So these first names are, like, the names for real. Sorry, you, as I mentioned, um, like I said, April and Vista. Tony Kill, who just put out Thought Crimes, which is really great. Flash Frequency, Champion Sound, Gump, um, Yaya Bay, and Gully Waters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Man, it's a lot. I'm gonna, but I'm going to name some more. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to name some right, more. Right. Uh, definitely Sir Hyro, um, Micah Doom, Nappy Nappa. <sighs> Cornell West Theory is one of my favorite groups. Yeah, dude. I mean, on the indie side, of course, like... Um, I mean, Paper House of the Homies, man. Denmate, I really love their live sets, man. Mm -hmm. it's this group Dawkins is coming up. It's really great electronic. Oh, it sounds, let me say, it's, it's progressive and it's electronic based. It's not all electronic, yeah, yeah. but when you hear it, you might think it's like straight synthesizers, but it's really cool what they're doing with effects and things, man. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's a ton more people. The Galaxy Electric, actually, I want to say them because, all right, when I think about music right now and like being a performing artist, 
it, you know, image is one thing, man. And I don't must mean image and like, let me make sure I got the freshest shoes and t-shirt mm-hmm. on. But like, how does the does, does do you look like your music? Does your music look like you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> that's they, that's so fucking. They accurate. look like their music. They look like their music. They do it in such. It's not a. It's contrived, of course, because we all you know. I mean, Knock Chomp is somewhat contrived, but sure, I mean, sure. like contrived in the sense of like they are very clear about what they represent and like musically and they're not bad at it. You know what I'm saying? They it's commit, like, they commit. It's people that play around with like the retro futuristic thing or like this. Yeah. But you know, they really study their stuff. Um, Jacqueline and Augustus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I like that record last year. Yeah. That was a good record. A good I mean, record. I still played on PFW, man. Yeah. I mean, I would say like of the local, uh, my, you know, also shout out to a band called Gump. Like locally, I mean, who gets the most burn when I'm doing WPFW is definitely like April and Vista. That's right. You're also a DJ. Yeah, yeah. DJ on WPFW, uh, Bass Shocker Radio, every Monday from midnight to two. So technically it's Tuesday mornings, but Monday night, midnight to two. If you're an early bird, it's it's uh, Monday night. If you're late, it's it's Tuesday morning, I guess. I don't know. But um, yeah, it's... So, I mean, Galaxy Electric will get burned. Cautious Clay, I play a lot on that show. It's another local act. Um, Cornell West Theory, of course, April and Vista. I mean, it's it's really... uh, I mean, it's a great time to be in D.C. There's a lot of people creating yeah. music, but, you know, I would like to see more emphasis and on, on creating a scene. And I don't think that's, like, necessarily just the responsibility of the artists, but also, like, the venues, the curators, so, so people real, like so, yourself. So, real quick, before we get out of here, let, yeah. let, let's, let's, let's offer some ideas for that. Yeah. Because I, I, I'm not sure that we need a scene the way we're talking about. Right. But I am 100% positive that we need the city, not the venues. Mm-hmm. We need the city to support the venues supporting the scene. Right, right on, right on. What, what does that look like? Are we talking about? Can we can we like, I mean, talk to the city to like some yeah. sort of subsidy for the for the venues to make it worth their while? Yeah, uh, because we're we're just never going to be a New York. No, we're never no. gonna. It's gonna and we're never gonna we're never gonna be the uh, Fugazi Minor Threat era again. No, no. We don't. We shouldn't. But we no, could no. be. But we can be something completely different and and something. Um, even more impactful, I think. Just because, all, I mean, first of all, the sense of, sense of, like, internet alone. You know, I mean, and it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's like, right now, music is, is a lot less regional. So it's like, when we talk about creating a scene, and you got a bunch of people, artists, that are even like, for what? That's the first thing I say, for what? Well, yeah. then the first reason is, you're not that great of a performer as you think you are. You need spaces where you can go and get your thing together. Second thing is, like, um, you know, we, we got to build up an ecosystem of, like, and, and for artists to be able to actually live here and work sustainably, it has to just be things going on. It has to be people knowing that there are quality things going on. It has to be an expectation of quality so that people with the money that's, come that's out and so spend that money. That's so super fucking important. I'm glad oh, you yeah. said that. I mean, it's, it's, because because it's, here's, a, here's yo. what you can't do. You can't be like, I wrote a two-chord song and sit around and just be like, yeah, the city hates me and I can't afford to live. It's like, well, <laughs> here's the thing. First of all. This is a town about government. At me, so, dog. So don't, <laughs> put a, let's put a name on yeah, that. Yeah. Nah, but yeah, no. but 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 so you 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 know you, this yeah. is a town for government. This is the, all these other jobs yeah. are not available here. No, no, it's not. So I mean, if you aren't if you don't come here prepared to do that, you you have one or two options. You can deal with the reality of what what we are, the economic reality, right? That if you're not going to be in government, you're probably not going to have a job. Yeah. In DC, in DC, yeah, yeah, in DC, and and that's look, that's never going to change. No, it's not. It's not. So I mean, I mean, and that's the thing. It's like, well, 
it's the work that some of us have is like kind of shifting culture. You know, I yeah. can't I can't change um how money is made in DC, but I think, you know, as as creators of something, you know, shifting culture, pushing culture, we can create ways to spend that money, you know what I'm well, saying? I, I, in the realest I, way I to put it. I think the trick is getting this out in front of people and right. and the yeah, control space sure. command. And this is something actually you're very good at. Is, is getting it out in front of people that do just for whatever reason have money laying around yeah, because, for sure. because they want to spend it on it. For sure. I won't I won't like postulate as the reasons why they want to spend it on yeah. it. But they do. Yeah, they do. I mean and, and so I mean I guess I've been giving a different perspective, I mean, from my family background, but also to like my time. Most I I would say on the hip hop side, most people would know me from curating shows. So like Nog Chompa was a new thing. Majority of you know Nog Chompa shows have been with indie rock bands. Yeah, and a and a good amount of our supporters are like people with like like I would say twenty two to like forty. You know what I'm saying? It's a mm-hmm. really wide range. We have older supporters than that, but like people that have careers, um, have references for some of the music that we plan and can put it to something have like context for it. Yeah, yeah. So like we've been lucky in that sense. Um. So for a younger musician, it'd be harder for me to be like, "Yo, you need a scene," because he kind of doesn't. But then again, okay, maybe there's not the scene that's on the ground, but then they people have these Instagram communities. Just like you log on to Instagram and, and you follow one person, it's going to tell you five more people that follows probably 70% of the same yep. people and the same interests. You know what I'm saying? But, and then but that be, becomes the scene. Be, be diligent, sense. though. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. like, like, explore that. Yeah. Don't, if you go, it was the last bill you were on. You're as Galaxy Electric that I saw you up at, at the House House. Mm-hmm. You, Galaxy Electric, and then... Uh, well, no, not Galaxy no. Electric. At House House, we played with... Um, sheesh. It was like Julian, I think, was the name of the band or something. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, we haven't played with Galaxy Electric yet. But, nah, but I want you, to, though. You, you, had, you had these two and three very different bands mm-hmm. playing. So when you go, if you show up for you... Mm-hmm. Read about these two bands. Right, right, exactly. Read about what these bands like. Exactly. It might not lead to a scene, or it might. I mean, because here's how scenes start. People start doing like-minded stuff, and I, and a lot of times it's like sounding stuff. Mm-hmm. In D.C., I don't think that can happen. No. I, 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 I think, <laughs> That's rude. I think what's going to happen is people doing like-minded music that wants to reach, that honors like where all this shit came from, right? and doesn't try to be like Grizzly Bear. Yeah. Uh you know, first of all, because that ship sailed. Like yeah. indie rock is, the, everybody knows my hatred of it's indie rock. It's time to evolve. Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's, time it's, to evolve. it's time to evolve. That, that's a good way to, to put it. Yeah. And so, just be diligent and be curious with your stuff. Yeah. Because you can go, and if you don't know, if you're listening, and you don't know Nag Champa. Like next time you see us tweet about it, go to the fucking show. Yeah, come to a show. And because the record won't be out when this comes no, out, no. so you don't really have to come and, and see and, us. And if you, or or if it's Interstellar, it's out. It's always been out, right? Which, well, exactly. which one do you so, want? Which one you want to take? Depending on what time it is when you hear this, because you may be hearing this next in 2018. But so the either way, Google that. The record Nog could Trump have always existed. Well, yeah. Jamal. I mean, and that's the thing; it has. Nog Trump has always existed. Yeah. It's like us channeling that. Yeah, same. and that's the real thing. But yeah, yeah, that that is the real thing. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for coming out. We, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm really glad we got to do this on like we. This, yeah. this we've had a few of these conversations mm-hmm. to record them, and uh, and you're welcome to come back here. 
Anytime yeah, you soon, want, man. man. I mean, that Jamiroquai record is out. I might be back for that one. Yeah, to listen to yeah that. That, <laughs> that's coming up. That, yeah. that is definitely coming up. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't so, want to know spoilers. So no what's spoilers. the dates on the Control Space Command? Okay, so we're going to be, again, Control Space Command. It's an exhibition in four parts at Capital Fringe, Logan Art Space. And, of course, Capital Fringe is known for their theater festival. They added a music festival last year. So it's a black box theater. Really different musical experience. So April 6th, April 13th. 20th and 27th all thursday evenings mm-hmm. uh 8 p.m to 12 uh the 20th and 27th we're gonna have some master classes uh between like 6 30 to 7 30 about technology and theory and a bunch of other things but it's not going to be boring so yeah and then <laughs> yeah. look for nag champa yeah. people can find you uh on what twitter and facebook and twitter and facebook uh, Instagram, if you search Nog Chamba DC, uh, I mean, I'm sure if you find this <laughs> podcast, you're listening, you found it on Facebook, you'll yeah. see that little name, Jamal Gray. Yeah. So you can go there and I'm there. Um, I guess briefly when this comes out, I'll also be coordinating music for the People's yeah. Climate March. On well, it's it's going to be April Monday. 29th. This, is, this is coming out Monday. This is coming out Monday. Okay. Yeah, so April so 29th, is- uh, the People's Climate March, I'm organizing, coordinating music for that rather. And um, I'll have a good group of people I'm working with. So. It's a lot coming up, man. I'm really thankful, um, you know, to have met people like yourself and um, the Marcuses and everybody has really the been Mark supporting guy. the Mark yeah. guy, <laughs> yeah. um, Brianna. I mean, endless people yeah. I can name, man. It's really been yeah. an interesting journey the last year. It's been a lot of trying times, but like, you know, DC keeps me hopeful in myself and vice versa. I think the things that I'm like experiencing and the kind of opportunities and resources that I've been able to see are available mm-hmm. have me hopeful about DC. So I, I'm with you, brother. Man. Yeah, man. It keeps me hopeful about DC. Hopefully I, um, DC is hopeful about me. I love the city. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Jamal. All right. Uh, the amazing Jamal Gray, the important Jamal Gray, the universal Jamal Gray. Uh, really glad to call number him as one of my friends, and uh, and really glad that we could sort of give you a little peek inside his mind. There, uh, this is, you know, he is is the uh, the plug. You know, he is what, you know is is going to be driving maybe DC arts going forward. And uh, you can start to see that at Control Space Command, the Fringe Festival. Links will be in the show notes starting on April 6th. And please follow his, as soon as we have more news about Nag Champa or, you know, Computer Club, Glow End Theory, like anything, all these projects that he is involved in, uh, we're going to, we're going to let you know about it. And uh, you should, you should follow and you should check it out. And uh, keep up with Jamal. And uh, he'll be back, too. He's got a lot more to talk about. Always. Thanks to Jamal for sitting down, hanging out. Uh, right now, we're going to do, I promised you a track from Denmate, from Washington, D.C.'s Denmate on Babe City Records, when Jules Hale started off as a tape project, it developed into a full-on band. It has a reputation now for being one of the most vibrant performers in Washington, D.C. I can vouch for that. They're amazing live. Uh, and they put it on an album last year, and uh, so we got a track from that. So here you go. This is Insomniac off of Denmate's self-titled debut album, and uh, let's see what you think, kids.
Deadmate Insomniac. The album is out now on Babe City Records. It's streaming everywhere. And uh, I think they toured a little longer. I'm not sure if, when they're touring again, but we'll, we'll keep you updated. And uh, hopefully we'll get we'll get her down here sometime to, to chat. I know I know Bandcamp is, is going to be talking with her sometime soon. You're going to see a little feature up on there, and that's going to be rad. Our friend Marcus Dowling is involved in that. Uh, but, yeah, love to have her over here. Talk about how you get from uh, from making little tapes in your bedroom to being awesome as fuck. Uh, that is our podcast for this week. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can leave us a rating. You can leave us a message, a feedback message. We like that type of thing. You can listen to us on Google Play. You can listen to us on Stitcher, Mixcloud, SoundCloud when we want to be up there. And uh, coming up in the next few episodes, few weeks, at the end of this week, on Thursday, we're going to be talking about the new album from uh, Metal Masters Mastodon. And uh, say that five times fast. And uh, it's a great conversation. Myself, Andre, and Mr. Dowling, Marcus Dowling, uh, talking about, I think, what it may be their finest album to date. And then going forward, we're going to be talking about, of course, the new Father John Misty album. We've got a couple good interviews coming up in the pipe that we're setting up now. We're going to be talking about Amy Mann's new album. There's, there's lots of good shit coming up, man. So just keep hanging out. We love it when you hang out. Uh, as I mentioned on the last podcast, if this sounds like something you want to do, uh, hit me up. Kevin at ChunkyGlasses.com. Uh, put on your radio voice and, and see uh, see if you want to come down and, and share some thoughts on music. Uh, it is always a good time down here in the basement. And now our time is done. Uh, we will see you in a few short days. Until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. We will talk to you soon. Kenobi! <laughs> 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 <laughs>